Uh, happy to speak. Hi, Annette and Steve. Uh, yeah, we're here, but we're trying to get on our... We, we can't get on the meeting. It's invalid on me. We're on it right now. Well, no, but we're not on our um, computer. We're, we're only on the phone. I don't... No, which we're trying to explain. We're joining on the computer like we always do. Mm. This is intermeeting ID or personal link name. Well, I can give you the meeting ID if you want. Okay. Okay. The meeting, the meeting ID is 833. Okay, hold on. You're doing the album. Yes. 9831. Okay. 3307. Okay, it says join now, right? Uh-huh. Okay. Now the Pasco. Yeah. 11563. Okay. Recording in progress. Okay. Now shut down your phone, otherwise you're going to get oh. an echo. Yes. Oh. All right. I guess we're on. <laughs> oh, I got to get this phone maybe. I don't know. Yeah, hang up on your phone. Okay. My screen has. Oh, are you putting the officials of John up? That you? Yes, yes. That's that's the screen. Oh no! I did Steve stop being so nasty? Yeah, and that you didn't hang up your phone yet. We're, we're getting a big echo. Just go don't hold up your phone and say hang up or M call or whatever. Or I can yeah. back you off. Yeah, maybe you should because I'm trying. Trying to shut it, and it doesn't seem to be shutting. No, I don't know why. It can't. There you go. Hi, Sal. Okay, we, we've already uh, prayed, so let's get into uh, the epistles of John. Now, uh, I am doing, first of all, in general, uh, John, for the most part, most of the church fathers and the early church leaders um, called uh, John, uh, the Apostle John, as the author of these works and the book of Revelation. However, uh, there was one uh, guy named Papias who has some connection with John. Uh, he was a disciple of a disciple of John, and he calls the person the elder and the controversy is whether this John is the disciple John or another John, because John is a relatively common name. So we're not sure. Uh, but most people would say that this comes from, this is either John or at least from the John uh, group, but most people would say this is actually from John. Now, uh, if you look in all your study Bibles, it'll say that the, the, uh, the Joannine literature is from the 80s and 90s with uh, with Revelation in the 100 range. Uh, I go along with the minor group, which includes not only um, uh, uh, conservative scholars, but also some liberal scholars who think that all this literature comes from during the 70s and that the book of Revelation may even be before 72. Uh, so this is an early book 
Uh, these are early books of the of the scripture. Uh, A.D. This is all now. Uh, interesting thing about Papias calling the author the elder. Uh, uh, one of the un uncertain things is whether Papias means that uh, the elder is a an official, meaning an elder of the church or presbyterios or what we would call a bishop now. Or whether elder, which is the which is, which we use as bishop, can be literally translated as the old man. So you know it could be that he's just saying the old man, and that was sort of a a, a nice touch phrase for John the disciple. That's unclear, but again, we think that we, most people think that John the uh, the uh, um, apostle wrote these things. Um, now. Um, it is extremely forthright and extremely direct. All these epistles are. Uh, they are uh, very direct, very forthright. The Greek in this is beautiful and very easy. Uh, in fact, if you ever take a Greek course, um, not that I suggest that or even, uh, but it is nice. You will use the Gospel of John and the epistles of John um, as your intro to the new testament because they are extremely it, the greek is beautiful it is clear it's very distinct um the frame of reference is that john is in uh is in ephesus uh he is leading the church in ephesus uh and that's his base uh from about uh, uh after the crucifixion and uh the dispersion onward uh, he is like the leader. There is actually not only one place in Ephesus, which is uh, pointed to as his tomb, but there are actually two. So it's uh, there's a very strong, strong uh, uh, connection with uh, John the Apostle and, Ephes and Ephesus. It is also thought uh, in tradition that uh, he took care of Mary, as we know, uh, Jesus gave his mother Mary to the Apostle John, and he took her to Ephesus, and that she died there. Uh, it is imbued. Yeah, he took care of her, and she died there somewhere along the line. We don't know when. Uh, it's a lot of like the Psalms and wisdom literature, uh, meaning that it has a lot of repetition. There's a lot of parallelism. There's a lot of almost poetic uh, sections of this, so that you will see this happening all the time. Um, now, here's the question. Why am I starting with 3 John? All right. Does anybody know why we even name them 1, 2, and 3 John? Does anybody have any, any idea? Not really. Okay. Why is 1 John 1 John and not 3 John? And uh, Okay. Why were they put in this order? Anybody have any idea? Chronological order? Yeah. Okay, yeah. that would be the obvious yeah. thing. Okay, yeah, yes. what's the first epistle written? <clears throat> Paul wrote like, a lot of epistles. What was the first one he wrote? Galatians. Galatians. First. What's the first epistle? Galatians, again, you can argue whether it's Galatians or First Thessalonians, depending upon who you're listening oh, yeah. to. But one, either one of those two, either Galatians or First Thessalonians, was the first epistle Paul wrote. What's the first epistle of Paul in your Bible? Uh, Romans. Romans. Yep. 
So they didn't follow the chronological order there. So there's, a, you know, there's, why didn't they do that? If you look at Paul's epistles, you should notice one thing. What's the longest epistle of Paul? The longest epistle. The longest epistle. Most verses. Romans. Right? Romans. Yeah. And what is the shortest epistle? Third John. No, of uh, in, in Paul. What is the shortest epistle? It is Philemon. All right. Okay. And in your Bible, what is the first epistle? Is Roman. And the last epistle that is in our Bible is Philemon. When these were put together, when these were put together, they put them in order of length, not in order of chronology. So the so you know that was the way they that's the way they did things, you know, who knows why, but the editors who put all these collections together put them in order of their length. Uh, nobody knows why, nobody you know understands it completely, but that's what they did. So the manuscript order may be related to length rather than chronology. Now, Third John is interesting and it deals with one problem. Second John has this problem a little worse and you know a little bit more complicated. And first John has the problem really, really wild and very complicated. And John throws in a lot of theology. So it looks as though he was wrote, wrote three John when things were sort of just simmering. Things didn't get better, so he wrote 2 John. And then things got really bad, so he wrote 1 John. So that's why I reversed the order, okay? Um, so anyway, there are basically uh, several themes uh, that we can talk about, and they are uh, uh, the big themes in John is about God, because the whole thing is based upon God and his understanding of God. Uh, it's actually three themes. I don't know why I put four, but it's God is love. God is life. God is light. Yeah. And God is light. Those three things, themes will show up over and over again. Okay. So with that, we go to three John. All right. Three John is a very small book, obviously. Um, and uh, in fact, if uh, you figure this out, it, it, there were two ways of writing in uh, the New Testament time in terms of how things were written, Does it, you know, on what things were written. Does anybody know? Could you say that again, Peter? Yeah, there were two, you know, uh, remember when uh, there are two ways things were written down in terms of uh, their format the format of how things were put down. Uh, remember when Paul says, bring my books and don't forget the scrolls. Okay. Mm -hmm. there, that, they, there were two ways of doing things. The first thing was a scroll, which was done in a column. And that made for, you know, the very long scrolls. The Isaiah scroll, for instance, is something like three and a half feet long. So these were very hard, very hard to carry around. And Christians developed uh, a new way of doing things called a book. 
And this book was like our books, like, you know, like this. So you could carry it around. Now, I'm sorry. Oh, so I say. So that's what they did. They used these books to carry things around. Uh, now, the length of Three John would fit exactly one page of a book. Wow. Okay. It's, it's that length. One and two John both would fit in one page of a book. So the likelihood is that these were not three John, especially probably two John were not letters that were circulated. They were letters to a person. They were personal letters. They were not meant like Romans and Ephesians to go to a whole congregation to be reread and read, but they were personal letters for a significant problem. Okay. They are, um, um, Free John is, I'm sorry, if I'm, I'm hoping not going too fast for anybody. I'm trying to, you know, now that I have these slides in front of me, I'm like I'm moving rapidly, sorry. Um, uh -huh. The importance of the family of God, he is really emphasizing that God, family is an important thing in the life, in the individual life. He is going beyond the personal relationship we have to God in a vertical relationship and looking to the horizontal relationship we have with the church family. <clears throat> and the style in 3 John is a little formal, but it's it's very much a, an important, um, uh, yeah, it's, in, it's, it's a letter. It's, it's really a formal letter to this guy, Gaius. Um, now I will let's read three John together if you have your scripture. I'll read it myself to you. <clears throat> so the airplane lands on my front lawn. Um, <laughs> there it comes. Oh, you see bright lights as he's coming through the living room. <laughs> the elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are who testify to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So I will come, and so if I come, I will bring up what he's doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to want to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, 
and we'll talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends each by name. I mean, this is, you know, it, it's, it, it comes across as a very personal letter, especially this last paragraph where yeah. he, he says, you know, I, I want to write to you, but, you know, I'd rather talk to you and we'll talk soon. You know, it, it's a very friendly, uh, friendly air about this letter. Notice the emphasis on the family of God and on truth. Mm. This will come up as well. And it's another theme in, the, in John, truth truth the importance of the truth and he will discuss what he is talking about as we go on now gaius is a very common name in in, uh, in, uh, in the roman and greek world so we have no idea who this guy is there's no other writing about him um there's nothing we can see um now there is this what do you make of um uh Five and six, five through no, uh, five through eight. Uh, what do you make of those verses? What's what's going on there? He's talking about the faithful that have um, done what is right. Um, and uh, he wants to show them hospitality almost as a reward, I think. Okay. When you say done what was right, what are they, what are they doing? Well, as, as opposed to sin, I guess, uh, where Diophanes, I think he was sinful. Um, okay. But what, who are these people? You know, they're saying, you're saying these people who have done what is right, who are they? What are they doing? I think they're ordinary people. I don't think they're anybody in particular. Am, am I right? In other words, I don't think they have a title. I have another idea. Are they strangers? Is it the strangers? Are they strangers? Possibility. Are they, are they missionaries? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. These are probably traveling evangelists. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm. And there was a, um, the, uh, one of the questions in this, in this uh, um, uh, letter is what do we do with these people who show up and are evangelists and they want to talk to, you know, talk to the church, bring a message to the church, uh, you know, whatever teaching in the church or just giving greetings in the church. What do we do with them? And how do we handle them? And here he's saying you should be hospitable. You should take care of them. And hospitality is one of the gifts of the spirit that Paul talks about. Uh, now, there became there in a lot of abuses that people would wander around and, and you know, like come to your house and uh, live in your house for six, you know, for five years after, you know, they showed up. So it was this 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 question of how long and what we should do with these people. Here he's saying, you know, you should greet them, but this guy Diophanes is saying, no, just you can't stay, you can't stay anybody's house. If anybody puts you up, they're going to throw them out of the church. So Diophanes has some power in the church. He must be some sort of leader, and he's against uh, John's authority. He is sort of, you know, he wants to be his own person, and he wants to lead the church, and he wants to be the top dog in this church. And anyone who goes against him, he tosses out. 
Okay. Um, now, interestingly enough, this, this kind of problem uh, got to the point where in the uh, beginning of the second century, there's a, a manual that shows up. It's one of the first uh, Christian writings outside of the New Testament called the Didache, which means teaching, and says, you know, you should only put up with people for about two or three days. If you're going to have visiting evangelists come in, visiting prophets, visiting missionaries, whatever, keep them around for two or three days, treat them nice, and then they have to leave. So this was sort of the way it was, was set up. Um, now, um, from these same verses, what is the motivation for evangelism? In the New Testament, yeah. or in Akon, what is the motivation for evangelism? To share the gospel. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Okay, but what is the motivation to share the gospel? Obedience. We, Obedience. we obey the command to go ye into all the world, preach the gospel. Okay. You are saved and you want to share okay. what you know about the Lord. Okay. As a saving. Okay. So maybe I can gel that into love of people. Does that work? Yeah. With silence is dead. Where did it say that here, though? That seems so specific, but yeah. not explaining what love means. You know? Okay. Okay. Yeah. We'll get into that because John has a lot to say about love. But, uh, but would you say that the. Focus of evangelism is the love of people, or is it something else in the New Testament? Now, Sal brought up obey the commandment. Mm -hmm. okay, is, there, is there something behind that? Honor God. Honor God. Okay, you're getting closer, Joy. You're circling the airport as these guys outside my window are. <laughs> Hey, my plane crashed already, so I'm. Just... <laughs> yeah, you 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 burned out. You you did That's your right. ran out of fuel. Okay. Um, see what it says in verse seven. Verse seven. But they have gone out for the sake of the name. Mm. So the motivation for evangelism that John is bringing up is not love of people, although it's there. It's not obedience, although it's there. It's the love of Jesus. Mm -hmm. That you love Jesus, therefore I will obey, preach the gospel, and I will love other people. Right. So the basis, the kernel of our evangelism is the love of Christ, that we love Christ and he loves us. And that is a key in terms of, of, of John as well, a big theme. That God is love, and that love overflows into us, and it has to overflow from us into others. Okay, so it's the love of God and wanting to honor Him the, as the motivation for us to do things. All right, just like when grace hits us and we are saved, the love we we have seen in God in saving us now overflows in our work in doing things. So it's it's. Very similar to James that, you know, once you're saved, this, this salvation 
gives you a life of love that overflows to other people. But it's because of this salvation, because of the love of God that we see in salvation, that we are so joyous about it that we want to show our love for God by sharing it with others. Hmm. Right? Love because he first loved us. Right, right. Mm -hmm. It's good to have somebody here who knows all the answers, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Okay. So we have this guy, <coughs> Diatrephus, who likes to put himself first. So he's pushing for authority. He wants to be who, you know, the, the big guy here. So he wants to uh, um, in in, be in charge, essentially. And the question is, the next question, the last question, John, John, third John, is Demetrius. Now, Demetrius, he receives a good testimony from everyone. So he's a good guy. And from the truth itself. Okay, so he's a follower who really loves the Lord and is following in the truth. And we also add our testimony. And you know that our testimony is true. So John is saying, you know, what everybody's saying about Demetrius, it's true. And you know, you know me, I don't, I don't lie. I know it. He is a good guy. He's a good Christian. He's a believer. He really loves the Lord. He does all that stuff. Now, does the, does the name Demetrius ring any bells? Demetrius and Ephesus. See, your, test your Bible trivia knowledge. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you the hint. It's Demetrius, and it has to do with Ephesus. It's in the book of Ephesians. <laughs> No, no ringing. Okay. Um, Demetrius is the name of, remember the, the incident where the silversmiths get crazy over Paul, that he's ruining their business and they have a riot and all that stuff in Ephesians? Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm seeing just blank stares. But okay. in, in Ephesians, in the book of Ephesians, Paul is preaching the gospel. And he's doing it such a good job that the silversmiths are being are upset because their business is going down the hill because they make silver statues of Artemis and they start a riot over it. The leader of the silversmiths is Demetrius. Hmm. This may be the same man who has now become a, a Christian and a, a, an avid follower of, of Christ. So, you know, it's 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 too coincidental that this guy is in Ephesus and he's now a leader in the church and he was named in Ephesians. So there is probably some connection between them. You know, I tried to cheat. So I was looking, doing a search in the Bible, you know, for Demetrius and the name doesn't come up in the book of, in the book of Ephesians. But on the other hand, it does come up in Acts talking about a silversmith named Demetrius. Right. I'm sorry. Yes. When he's at, Ephes at Ephesus, I'm sorry. You're right. It isn't in Acts. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. Uh, the interesting, um, you're right. See, the teacher can be wrong as well. Not very often. <laughs> Not this I, I do that just to test you. Yes. <laughs> um, <clears throat> now, uh, talking wicked nonsense in verse uh, yeah. 10. Um, the interesting, the Greek word means, means babbling incoherently. Like, you know, it's almost has the has the, uh, the sort of the, the sense that this guy is acting like a lunatic. 
and just going on and on and on and not making a whole lot of sense. So, you know, this guy, Demetrius, wants uh, Diotrophenes, sorry, wants to be head. He has a big ego and he's tossing people out of the church who disagree with him. Mm. All right. Uh, this is the, you know, the, uh, the, um, uh, the pastor from hell, basically, uh, and uh, is really causing a lot of problems. And John is trying to get to see what's going on and to sort of encourage Gaius and others to, you know, to toe the line and not uh, be under, under overwhelmed by this guy. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that is three John, uh, which is, again, a very short book. And we sort of got through that very quickly, but we will move on. Um, and we will go to guess what we're doing next. Um, second, second John. No, 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 no. Um, how did that happen? Oh, there we go. Fourth John. Yeah, fourth John. Uh, <laughs> I show from beginning. Okay, here we go. Uh, two John. No, no, no. I I thought you might be looking down a list of my uh, uh, my powerpoints, and they will say Jeremiah, 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 Jeremiah. Uh, mm-hmm. That's what we're doing next, in case you're wondering. Okay. All right. Second John. Second John, which is also a very short book and probably um, a uh, a letter. Again, a single page. Uh, it's about that length. Uh, probably again written in the 70s. In the 70s? Uh, in the 70s, early 70s, probably before the loss of the temple, because it's never mentioned. Um, and it is the elder to the elect lady and her children. Again, we have that thing who is the elder and who is the old man, as uh, would be a literal translation of this. Uh, and is this John? And most people again would say that this is the Apostle John. Uh, and who is the lady? The chosen lady. The chosen lady and her children. Could it be Mary? That is one of the first things that comes up. And being a good Roman Catholic, that's what was taught in Catholicism. Good, Annette. <laughs> Actually, I was thinking more along the line of what you said before. You know, she was the person. She was the person favored by John. Um, you know, and God, you know, said, "Please take care of my 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 uh, my mother." You know, at the cross. You know, right. so I'm thinking, you know, she would be the chosen lady. She okay. he never spoke. He never spoke about her as mother. He, he had an odd way of of uh, of speaking about her at the cross, if I remember. Um, yeah, he always referred to her as woman. Correct. Yeah, that's even correct. at the marriage feast of Cana, he says, "What do you have? What do I have to do with this woman?" Exactly. So here's the chosen lady, rather than my mother, or or. Well, you know, just in defense of Jesus, um, I, woman. I thought when you say, thought, uh, "What joy, joy." I thought the lady was the church and okay. the members, but that's what I thought it was. Okay. And, <laughs> and that is the- that is actually the the non-Catholic majority opinion. <laughs> Yay, Joy. Okay. <laughs> that it is the church. 
and it, it is it is a uh, um, and that is the church at Ephesus, and mm. children are the members. the members of the church at Ephesus. Since right. this rests to the to a, the church in the self that um, you know. It's addressed to this lady, and it's addressed to, the, to this group of children, and it seems like it, either she has an awful lot of children, or that this is the church itself. Mm. So that's more than likely. By the way, the children when it talks about children, it's it's a, it's a term of endearment. The Greek word is, is like oh the little little ones, the ones I love. You know, it's a it's it's a term meaning that you really love these ones. And you treat you think of them as your own children. It could be an adult, but it is often used for. It's a very big deal term of endearment. Mm -hmm. uh, by the way, in if this was now, remember um, John? Did he speak? You know, as far as you know, did he speak uh, Greek uh, as a as a young man when he was a disciple? Was he running around talking in Greek to everybody? Or did he speak something else? Hmm. But Jesus speak Greek all the time. Armenian. I mean, um, I'm sorry. That's... Aramaic. 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 Thank you. Aramaic. <laughs> yep. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> yes, they, John originally his native tongue is Aramaic. He did speak Greek as many many people, and Jesus actually probably did. Um, and so he he spoke Aramaic. Interestingly enough, the word "lady" in Aramaic has has is, is a name, hmm. and it's Martha. So this could conceivably mean the the elder to Martha and her children. So if it is a specific woman, her name is Martha. Hmm. It's not Miriam, which would be Mary. It's Martha. Okay, you know, remember the, the sisters. Uh, Martha and, and Mary, it's Martha and Miriam really is the Aramaic. So uh, so if it is a specific woman, it's certainly not Mary, it's it's Martha. But more than likely, this is he's, he's saying it to the church and church family. Okay. Um, and he loves them in truth. Again, in truth, in truth. Mm. Okay. And not only I, but also all who know the truth. Yeah. What is the truth? The fact that Jesus the way the truth and the life died and rose. Okay. Okay. Pete, Pete, what are you saying? I heard you. Oh, the way, the truth, and the life. Right. It's Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. I am the truth. Right. Okay. All right. So the truth is Jesus. Because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. Mm -hmm. So he's identifying Jesus's place in us forever. Uh, so we can, so he's immediately saying, look, you are members of this congregation, this family of God. And Jesus, as the truth, lives in us. And the truth is what holds us together. And the truth is what is needed for us to, to live the proper life. And Jesus, as the truth, is with us forever. Now, there is going to be in not so much in Second John, but in in, in First John, some assault on this truth, and we will see what's happening here. But he is found; uh, he's laying the foundation in in this paragraph 
about the truth and how important the truth is. And the truth, the truth, the truth. God is love, God is light, and God is life. But the truth is what brings that love, life, and light to us. And if we do something with the truth, we change our relationship to the life, love, and light that is God. Okay. This whole book is about, is a tough love book. And it has, it's a correction of a sort of a loose attitude to that truth. And that's what he's really starting to focus on, this loose attitude to the truth. Okay. Verse four. I rejoiced, past tense, greatly to find. Okay. And he's talking about love intertwined with truth, uh, place of truth, and with us. Okay. Um, I rejoice greatly to find some of your children, not all of your children, walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. Not I now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I was writing you a new commandment, but one we have had from the beginning that we love one another. Okay, that we love one another. This important presence of love that's intertwined here with truth. Peter? Yes, ma'am. Uh, I'm, I'm a little confused because here again, it almost appears as though he's really speaking to a person rather than a church. Am um, I wrong? Uh, I don't see where that comes in as a church. Well, it's so personal, it seems. You're right. It is personal. The question becomes, is that personal? Um, is the church being personified as this woman and the, her children? So, you know, is he talking to the group, the whole group, and then the individuals? Or is, is this really, uh, is Martha the leader of a house church? That's another possibility. Hmm. Okay. And as the leader of the house church, she is personified. She personifies the church in general. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, you remember that the, the churches in this time, uh, you know, lots of people didn't show up in one spot because maybe 10 or 20, 10 or 15 people at max would show up in somebody's house. Uh, the model we have of we're making at, at Lindbrook of small groups was the original thing. Mm -hmm. the, the larger church never got together. They were all small groups. That was the structure of the church. Everybody was a small group. They were like 20 or 30 small groups all over the place. And the, the leaders would talk to one another, but basically they were they were different. They would occasionally exchange. I mean, one person would go to another person's house or you know, vice versa and just wander around. Mm. But these were small groups of people, not huge churches. I see. And certainly not 2,000 people. You know, so you know, it was not nothing like that. There were no buildings that big at mm. this point. Mm. Um, that we love one another. Okay, we're Verse six. And this is love that we walk according to the commandments. This is the commandment. This is the commandment. And again, the Greek is the one specific commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning that we should walk in it in love. Okay. So this is very big emphasis on love. This is a very big, important point. That he's basically saying that this is it. This is the commandment, the one, the only, the unique commandment is the way the Greek puts it, essentially. That we love, we walk in love. 
Okay. That once you are saved, you are supposed to be showing the love of Christ by walking in this love. Um, verse 7. Many deceivers have gone in, out into the world. Those who do not confess that coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. So here he is talking about the assault uh, on truth. Um, and it's important to understand what he is saying here. What, this is a reflection of the very, very first heresy that attack the church. What is it? False teaching. I'm sorry? False teaching. It's a false teaching, but what is specifically that false teacher? Seven, verse seven. Gnosticism? No. Well, it becomes Gnosticism, but it is not. That Jesus Christ did not come in the flesh. Right. Not that he did not come. See, the first, it is it is an incipient Gnosticism, Peter, and you're right about that. It's not that Jesus Christ was not God. That was not the first heresy that attacked the church. Now, that was something that was said outside the church, but not in the church. Oh. The church accepted that Jesus was God. What was at, at, uh, at the argument is, was Jesus a man? Right. Yeah. And that's the beginning of what we call Gnosticism, uh, or the knowledge is the, is the, the translation of that. Could Which, you say that again, that, Peter? I didn't hear that. The, the key point, I just didn't hear what you said. Oh, that's the beginning, which that Jesus, they denied that Jesus came in the flesh, that he was a man. A man, okay, gotcha. Okay, that he was truly human. The Gnostics, the beginnings of this, uh, um, basically said that it was imbued, it's a Greek philosophy. It had a lot to do with Greek philosophy. And in Greek philosophy, the gods are extremely holy and the world is evil. So that there could be no contact between what is truly holy and what is evil. So there is no way that God could become a man because he'd be taking on evil in their, in their, in their in this philosophy, which, right. which was prevalent. So therefore, this personage, Jesus, had to be either not man, but sort of a, a, a fake man, someone who looked like a man but wasn't what was actually a spirit didn't have the same flesh as we did was totally different from us and could not suffer so the crucifixion was some sort of charade uh and now and you see this in several of the gnostic gospels where someone substitutes for jesus on the cross um uh, and we see this in, in the Quran, where the Judas is actually substituted for Jesus on the cross. And there are verses in the Quran which have G Judas on the cross and Jesus laughing in the sky. Uh, so this is this is a, a, a con this is a Gnostic. This is a this is the first heresy. It develops into a very elaborate scheme 
But right here, they're talking about a very early form of it, which basically says Jesus is not man. Hmm. Okay, and that's what the, the there is a great legend about John. He's going to the uh, the uh, baths in uh, Ephesus. Uh, you know, he's, he's going to take his you know daily bath or whatever. And he sees, he's in the building and he sees this Gnostic preacher, Serinthus, which he talks about in one of the, one of the uh, other books. And uh, he runs out uh, naked because he's afraid because Serinthus is in the bathhouse that will collapse because God's wrath will fall on. Uh, so it, it, that's a legend of, of John. Hmm. But uh, he really was fighting this very, very... Um, destructive. destructive heresy because if Jesus is not man then our concept of how we are saved is wrong he cannot take on our sin if he does not take on our humanity mm. so to be saved means, means something entirely different in this 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 heresy in this pseudo religion this uh, Gnosticism if we want to call it that so it takes on a different, how you're saved is very, very different, uh, very, very unusual. Uh, and we won't get into it, it's very complicated. But this, this idea that Jesus is man, very, very important. Um, okay. Those who do not, eight, excuse me, eight? Uh, yes, I'm sorry, no, seven. Well, the, many deceivers have gone out into the world and it's actually implied that they've gone out from us. Hmm. So this heresy develops in the church and people move out of the church wow. as missionaries on this. Hmm. Those who do not confess the coming of Jesus in the flesh, such a one is the deceiver and the definitive okay. antichrist. Okay. <laughs> Watch yourselves so you may not lose what we have worked for but may win a full reward, not a reward, a full reward. Okay. Mm. So the reward you can't get lose, but the full reward you can. Everyone go who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teachings of Christ <coughs> have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and brings this teaching, these are these missionaries again that we're talking about in 3 John about hospitality. Don't receive him into your house or give him any greeting. Whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. So what is he asking you to do here? Have no contact. Have no contact. Okay. Zero contact. Which means that, what does that mean? Acknowledge them? Well... Well, first thing, first thing, what do you, what, in order not to have contact with them, what do you have to understand about them? They're the Antichrist. Right. right. But you have to listen to what they're saying and discern yeah. that they are wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. So discernment requires knowledge of the truth. So we have to have the facts of the truth in order to be able to discern what is not the truth. Okay. So that's where teaching, that's where all this stuff comes in to learn why we need to understand all these things. Okay. Um, now, hospitality 
is an important thing. Why do you think hospitality was so important? I mean, there was a bunch of inns around. We know that from the nativity, right? Why do you think hospitality was so important? Other than that, it is a tradition in, in all Middle East that, you know, hospitality. Why, but why is it so practical? Why is it so important for the church to be hospitable? Why can't you just put them up in the local uh, Red Roof Inn? Because it shows the love of Christ. You've been hospitable, you've been loving. It's one of the... Okay, that is, that's the theological, spiritual meaning. Well, is there a practical meaning is what I'm saying. Are they trying to keep secret? No, no, no. There was no place for them to stay. Well, there are inns. Remember the nativity story? There was no room for them at the inn. These would be all believers, mm. right? Am I right? Okay. They would be all believers. They would all be of one type of person. Right. But, you know, uh, why can't, like, you know, if we have somebody come in, uh, we have missionaries come in and, you know, oh, there's nobody around. Nobody can put them up. We put them in a, in a motel. Why couldn't they do that? Why couldn't they put them up in an inn? Does it show that it shows that you believe in them? You know, it shows, you know, maybe it might be giving credence to what they say. Well, that's part of it. But the other part of it in general for hospitality, why hospitality was so important for even true teachers is that inns in the Middle East at this time often seconded as bordellos. Oh. oh, okay. So in the nativity story, not having any room at the inn is not necessarily a nasty thing. It, it has to do with, um, you know, the innkeeper says he doesn't have any room. He puts them up in the stable. Now the stable is right underneath the house. It's probably the warmest, nicest, com most comfortable place in the, on the, in, the, in the area and probably the best place for a young woman about to give birth. Uh, so it's not exactly a, uh, a bad thing to be not allowed to get into an inn because this was often a center of prostitution. Okay. Now, the problem is these pseudo prophets are exploiting this hospitality to, to make inroads in the church. And he is against this. Uh, you need to re resist this false teaching. Um, um, you know, the, 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 um, the, uh, the term used for uh, these false prophets, um, um, de deceivers and antichrist is actually is the same term that is used for the planets. They mean they wander about in their thinking. Hmm. Planet, planet is, is derived from the word wanderer. So they're wandering around in their teaching. Uh, so this is an, an, you know, they do not, they're characterized um, that they are, they're characterized by two things. One, that they don't believe Christ came in the flesh. And two, that um, they have gone into the world. In other words, they are spreading this heresy. Yeah. They don't want to just stay put and teach it. They want to spread it around. Uh, they're sort of uh, like, you know, going door to door, like the Jehovah's Witnesses going door to door, spreading their teaching. Well, the Mormons do that too. Um, verse eight. Um, look to yourselves. Watch yourselves. So you may not watch yourselves. Always be on the alert. 
for what people are teaching, what people are doing, what mm. people are saying, mm. so that you don't fall into problems. Mm. You don't start following people and not realize what they're saying. So you do have this knowledge you have to have. Um, you know, we uh, the danger I think that John is pointing to is that we um, are, we have a tendency to move ahead of God. That we don't wait on God. We have a tendency to move ahead of him. And mm -hmm. we get so far ahead that sometimes we don't even, we think, well, we don't need him because we're so far ahead of him. We're doing so much. And I think that's, uh, 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 that's an important thing to understand. Um, and, but at the same time, the traditionalism doesn't work because you don't want to stay in one spot. Uh, we, you know, how do you relate the false teachers? You, your hospitality is dependent upon the content of the message. Because taking a stranger in means you accept him, uh, accept his teaching, and you're welcoming him into the fellowship. Um, our priorities must be the truth and love in all things. So that is what John is really pointing out, that truth, truth, truth. Who is Christ? What did he teach? And love, our love for him and his love for us are the two priorities that are the hinge points of Christianity. All right, we will stop there because it's getting late. Um, we'll go to 1 John next Next, we meet. That's a little longer. Um, any questions, difficulties, comments? I must be a brilliant teacher, no questions. I have one. Okay. Um, it says, watch out that you do not lose what you have worked for but that you may be rewarded fully. Were they aware of what he was really saying at that time? What do you think he's really saying? Well, I think he's saying that in the end, uh, is I don't know, it, that you will be with Christ in the end? Right. You will be rewarded that way? What is the difference between... Um, what is a reward? Given to you for something you've done, right? It's an, it's earned. It's earned, right? Right. right. Is, is salvation earned? No. 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 But rewards are earned. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So mm -hmm. you can lose your reward without losing your salvation. That's why he says you're full. Mm -hmm. huh. All right. There, there mm -hmm. is there 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 are two things that show up one is that you know that there is there is sort of this judgment between those who have become to the lord and those who have not but there also seems to be a separate judgment that shows up in corinthians where uh if your work does not come up to snuff it's hay and stubble it is burned but if your foundation is correct you will still be saved. Hmm. So the foundation is the belief in Christ and the salvation that we have in Christ. Our work can be hay or stubble or golden jewels. And those are judged in a different way. In other words, when we come to heaven, there is this judgment as to our rewards in heaven. Hmm. Now, everybody's perfectly happy, but the, 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 the idea is that the more, the, the more you have these good works built up, the happier 
your capacity for happiness is greatest. Is greatest. Hmm. So you essentially have, not that you have more happiness than someone else, but you're capable of more happiness and therefore are rewarded more. Wow. Okay. Okay. Thank you. All right. Anything else? You look perplexed, Sal. <laughs> no? Okay. Okay. All right. All right. So we will end there. Um, look to yourselves. Yeah, sorry. Okay. We did, okay. We did that. Okay. Um, is everybody okay with this PowerPoint? It's sort of rather primitive, but I'm doing my best with it. Um, everybody okay? Yay, nay. Looks nice. It looks all right. Yeah. Helpful. That's important. It's more than looks nice. I want it to be helpful. Um, mm -hmm. It also helps me organize my thoughts a little bit because uh, I can wander. Now, obviously, we are going to be in first John, and people will be looking ahead, I know. And Joy will be happy to note that when we finish first, <laughs> when we finish John, we're going to go ahead and leave Jeremiah, uh. which is 52 <laughs> chapters. So it'll be at least three or four months of Jeremiah. Okay. Oh, good. Thank you. Okay. All thank right. you. Let's pray. Thank you. Heaven, Heavenly Father, just thank you for this time together. We mm -hmm. praise and honor you for it. Uh, help us to learn your teaching about truth and love. Our need for discernment and our need for loving um, care for one another and for what we hear and what we say in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay. All right.